Hello, I'm Derek Doak, and you're listening to the Real Estate Investment Insights Podcast. For over 25 years, I've been serving the investment property industry, from preparing tax returns for property owners when I worked in public accounting, to creating multi-million dollar syndications as a commercial broker. Throughout my career, I've always had a passion for learning and teaching what I've learned to others. This podcast is for fellow brokers, agents, investors, and real estate syndicators wanting to learn from those that have done it. My goal is to bring value to you through the sharing of best practices and industry knowledge. Each episode is geared towards providing knowledge and insights on industry topics and trends. Please enjoy this episode, and if I can be of any assistance, please reach out to me at Derek at dokemail.com. Now enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Real Estate Investments Insights. I'm your host, Derek Doak. And today with me is uh, somebody I listened to and read a lot of his information over the years and uh, just really enjoyed his candor. Um, Very honest, uh, hardworking individual around the industry, knows the industry inside and out, knows all the players. um, And he also has a technology spin. So uh, Duke Long is joining me today. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to have Duke on here because when I met Duke at the NAI conference this year, uh, we talked a little bit about the technology and how it's impacting individuals. And, uh, and, and and Duke's one of us, right? He's been a broker. He gets it. He understands it. He knows where the money's at within the industry, but he also knows where a lot of the work goes in uh, to keep those clients happy. So um, I want to bring Duke in here and we're going to talk about um, CRE and how CRE works with technology and where technology could be going to make our jobs more informative and make us uh, better advisors to our clients. So with that, I want Duke to introduce himself and then we'll jump right into it. Duke, welcome to the podcast. Oh, well, thank you, Derek. I, I appreciate it. I enjoyed meeting you down in New Orleans. It was wonderful down there and I enjoyed having a conversation with you. And uh, it's it was great to get back out in the world amongst my people, you know, the brokers, the, the developers, the people who actually do things for a living. Um, real quick, I am, other than being a broker like I am, I'm the entrepreneur in residence for Second Century Ventures, uh, which is a probably one of the biggest um, prop tech, as they call it. I should have trademarked that name, I swear. Uh, investors in the glo- on the globe. We have 160 companies in our portfolio. I only focus on the commercial companies. And here in about a month, we'll have over 30 companies that are commercially focused that are only tech companies. So I get to vet them, pick them out, invest in them, find out what they're doing, where they're going, and hopefully find some great tools for brokers like yourself. So there's my big intro. So what are we going to talk about today? What kind of stuff can I tell you? Well, I mean, maybe give a little more insight on some of the types of companies. I mean, think about technology because I'm I'm kind of old school on the technology front. I don't do a lot of it um, in the practice. I kind of I still do analysis on the back of a napkin at the coffee shop as I'm looking at a property in a flyer. But from a tool perspective, what kind of tools are you seeing out there and, and kind of tools that you guys are involved with uh, at the company? All right. Well, that's a really good question. So if you look at our portfolio of what we have now, you would think, okay, you can get all these broker tools. You could find all these kinds of things. And to this point, uh, a majority of our portfolio have owners and operators as their customer base, which seems like a little bit of an oxymoron, but it's not because A, They're the ones that control the data and the property, and B, they can afford to pay everything. We are, and we do have some broker-related tools. Part of the issue with broker tools is, okay, how many 
is an actual broker going to use? How many tools are they going to use? What's effective and what should we be investing in? So let's use a, a really simple one, okay, a CRM. So everyone should, if you don't, I can't understand how you function in this world, use a CRM, right? So there's several that I could name off that are industry specific, or I could say Salesforce, which is generic for everyone. So which one would we invest in? Part of our issue is we can't really pick one uh, because then we'd be saying, okay, this is the only one, right? So that's kind of why we haven't invested in a CRM. At the same time, we're getting more specific around transaction-oriented things like documents. It's like, hey, we we're invest one of the original investors in DocuSign. That's pretty. We've done really well with that way back in the day. Or we'll look at companies that are doing institutional-level closing and document uh, management, which seems like it wouldn't help the broker. But how does that not help the broker when you're literally figuring out how to solve problems at the institutional level, and that trickles down very much so. At the same time, uh, one that I think you and I talked about when we were in uh, New Orleans was like a valuation model. Doesn't every broker have to have some form of idea of the value of a certain property at a certain time? That's kind of what you're putting together. Some of the other things we're looking at very closely, um, marketing materials, which seems like that would be pretty easy. It's not as easy as you think. Pipeline uh, oriented things, meaning how are you creating deals? How are you putting together deals? How are you pushing them through your pipeline into your CRM? And how are you creating deals with those? Uh, back office commercial real estate broker management tools. We're getting into that. Uh, one of the things we invested in that I love, I love this one. Um, we are going to go start uh, advancing commissions for brokers. Hmm. And that's already launched and we're pushing that out. So let's say someone makes $150,000 commission and they want that money early. You say, well, how do they do that? Well, we figured that out. So we will advance them a certain amount of dollars on that commission through the brokerage, I might add. We're not going around anybody or through anybody. So think of the spectrum of everything transactional. Think of how the building owners owning and managing their building. Think about lease administration. I mean, I could go on and on. So what, what did I miss there, Derek? I went all over the place. Well, what's all this conversation around blockchain, right? I mean, I feel like every we're getting just inundated with cryptocurrency conversations, blockchain, how blockchain is going to change the way we do our job as brokers, um, that no longer a broker is going to be needed because you're going to have every single piece of information available between the buyer and the seller, and they're just going to do the transaction without us being engaged. Um, I mean, I don't know enough about it to really give an educated guess. I mean, what, um, what are you seeing out there? What do you, what do okay, you- Okay, I can have an opinion about it. And I'd like to think that I'm involved around some of the people who are as smart as they can be about commercial real estate and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the biggest advocate of blockchain in the sense that I'm not sure what it accomplishes or what it does do. Okay. Or what it does fix other than suck up most of the energy of a small country and you can speculate on it online. Right. I jokingly call it magic internet beans. So if there's a protocol or a, uh, a software that helps do something for you or process that that's fine. I don't care what you call it. You know, that doesn't matter. So one of my good friends that runs uh, is a professor at a monster university. He's like, look, we have quantum computing that will absolutely be advanced beyond what blockchain supposedly is. And blockchain supposedly is non-hackable. Well, we know that's not true. Right. All the blockchain is, is a database, a database of X, right? So how are you utilizing that database? The fact that you can speculate on that database if you want to, fine. 
what is it, 1% of the planet owns Bitcoin and other kinds of coins? How about the 99%? To get back to answer your question, I haven't found anything that actually blockchain does for real estate. I haven't found it. Now, if there's somebody out there selling an in NFT or whatever they call those things, right? And you're speculating on that and you want to and it's online, that's fine. But is that real real estate? I mean, I could go for days about the metaverse thing. So I still haven't found anything that it's accomplishing for commercial real estate. And I've said this a million times. The minute somebody like Goldman Sachs and Brookfield and Blackstone and some of these other companies start saying, wait a minute, we're going to use all of this blockchain, then I think it makes sense. You're like, well, that's not the whole point. Well, the point is if, if people People with that kind of money and those kind of assets decide that it's a functional use, then that's a whole different story. To this point, I have seen nothing that makes any sense for commercial real estate. And is it going to disinterminate brokers? No. I mean, I don't want to say never because never say never because what I'm saying, well, we've got companies that won't be around in 10 years. Yeah, I get that. But I sure as hell, if it's blockchain, I doubt that. It's got to be some other stuff, right? It's got to be processing. It's got to be the process. So whatever you want to call that. Fine, but it's not, it hasn't done anything yet. And I don't see it doing anything in the future. And when you think about future and commercial real estate, especially on the brokerage side, what should we as brokers be just starting to be aware of? Are there certain things out there we should be looking at or maybe doing some more reading on um, without being too distracted? Because a lot of this stuff, like I think blockchain, crypto, all that stuff just be a distractor from what we do Very on much a so. basis. Um, Very much. Versus so. just That's why I call it the magic internet beans, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're just bouncing around and getting all the kinds of attention. So here's what I would think about. Think about your, your clients. If you're trading for those clients, okay, what are they trading? They're trading a certain physical asset. That asset has data. That data is defining, in my opinion, the value of the property and more so in the future. Let's use an example. You have building A, B, and C. Building A, Class A, whatever you want to call it, it's got all the sensors, got all the stuff, got everything out there you can find. Building B, maybe some. Building C, none. Which one is easier to put a value on? Which one are you probably going to be buying? Okay, um, We have to retro some of those things to get to that data point. But I think you need to follow where the owner is. And again, I brought this up on the stage. The owners are now thinking about tenants and their space beyond that physical space. And I'm not talking about the metaverse. And I said this before, I talked to one of the big owners in New York. They're thinking about every individual as a source of income, not just my space on the 10th floor on 435 Madison that's giving me X. Can they make money from that tenant when they're at home, when they come into their office, when they go back? You're like, well, that, that makes, I don't even understand. They're definitely looking at that. They're looking at the tenant side coming that way and going the other way. To get back to the point from a broker standpoint, how does that affect you? Right? How are you bringing those tenants in? How are you defining the data that helps them make a decision? Because to me, the data is, you know, when there's data anomalies, that when that's when you make decisions. So are you following what the what the owner is watching and paying attention to beyond just the amenities, the data of the building, the amenities of the building, and the actual function of the building itself, all the way back to you? And how are you creating value for them? Is it Oh, here's building A and I did an analysis and it's a it's $100,000 more than this. Well, why? Other than you have an opinion about it. And yeah, you can throw a lot of stats in there, but there's so many things outside of that. And some of the biggest brokerages I know that do the bigger deals, you know, monster deals between countries, they're looking at what they call alternative data. 
Alternative data is what? Is it ins and outs? Is it how many people are in and out of the building? Mobile data? Is it economic data? Is it energy data? Is it ESG? They're looking at everything. There is nothing that they don't see as a valuable data source. So I don't know if I answered that question that, that well, but to back to the brokers, no, everything no, no. is data. Everything is transactional. How are you helping facilitate that? Yeah, no, and I think that's exactly it. I mean, it's the, you know, the industry has moved from being transactional based facilitation of solutions and advising to truly being their solution to look at their asset and how to maximize it and maximizing that through alternative ways of income or keeping it full, right? And especially in office space in today's times, when these leases start to come off and a lot of these people I've talked to that have a lot of square footage are talking about downsizing, you know, to a third to a half of what they have or going with mobile nodes, letting people work from home or changing up their, their philosophy. There's gonna, is there gonna be some office space coming up? It's as the broker and the advisor, how are you going to help that owner of the building keep that property full and keep it leased up? And, and if you're not doing it for them, then why do they need you? Exactly. Exactly. They don't. They flat out don't. You you are not solving their problem. They don't have a problem. Well, they have a problem, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. What is that solution to that? If you're not providing that for them and doing it for them, then they don't need you at all, right? They're, they're trying to solve that issue on their own also. That's yeah. an easy way for them to do it from, from their point of view. We also have the tech companies that go both sides of that. They're solving it or trying to solve some of those solutions for the owners themselves, the asset managers. There are several companies we've invested in that are solving a lot of issues for tenants. Let me use a, a simple example, the FASBA, the, the leasing compliance, right? We have a company that you give us your leases, we'll look through everything on that lease and make you compliant in everything you possibly need. They did, I want to be careful how I say this, they did a statistical thing when they brought all their leases in, there was like 25% of these leases that were being paid that were, had already expired. How do you not know when your lease is expired? You're still paying the building owner. He's probably not going to say no. Uh, ethically, I don't want to get into that. But you know, you would think, other than a spreadsheet, that they'd have something that way. So we have companies facing the tenants and starting to engage them, starting to advocate for the tenants. Think about that. When, what if that tenant has as much or better data than the broker does right. when they go to the table? I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. That's my opinion, of course. But we find that even on the amenities side, the let's use a company that's got 15 offices through the US. They don't know what they have or don't have. You think they would. They're going to open five more. And exactly what do we do? They need a, an overall solution and nobody's providing them anything other than the real estate department and the brokers that show up trying to give them evaluation. Right. So that that's a huge opportunity that we that we've seen, especially in the last two or three years, especially with COVID. Think about well, that. And 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 what do you, I mean from the industry? You've been around the industry a long time. You know a lot of players. I mean, you know a lot of really good brokers. You know a lot of bad brokers. I mean, what when you describe what makes a broker a good broker? What how would you describe it in today's market? Um, you know, I, I don't even care for how I say about like a business model, but I would say that. The ones that I know that are really good, um, they are their own brand. Let's use that. That's a simple way to put it. But almost to a certain extent, what, what tech stack are they using and what pieces of infrastructure are they absolutely not using? Does that make sense? Okay. When I talk about business model, I want to talk about because 
X company is doing this, and this is the way they've done it, and this is the way we're going to do it, fine. And I'll use a quick example. We had a humongous brokerage that said, look, we still get our checks, paper checks, and we come and we present those checks. I'm like, I get, I get that. But you know what? Just ACH it to my bank account. And we can meet on Monday. I, there's, there's two sides to that. So what I'm saying is simple things like that. There's certain infrastructures that, that exist that I don't think need to exist at all. And we found this out in the last two years, and it was certainly true well before this. You have your laptop, you're sitting at a co-working space somewhere or wherever you want to be, maybe at the beach, and you can do everything you need to do from there. So what do you do to help yourself compete from this laptop? What are the, What is that stack? So, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't be with a brand. I'm not getting around that. Yeah. But some of the comp- some of the big companies we're working with, they're starting to think about think about this for a minute. They're like, what if our business model blows up? They're starting to invest in things that are going to make money if their business model blows up. That's brilliant, by the way. That's a little crazy, but yeah. that's brilliant. So what if we can't do it this way? So the good brokers a utilize all the tech stack and data that they personally need for their localized markets. They break down any infrastructure that's around them that they don't need. And think of all the things we've decided we have we don't need in the last two years. Well, I know some things we decided we do need, but yeah. think of all those things around, around brokerage. I know somebody that raised $200 million, $200 million literally when COVID started like that week when everybody had to go sit at the house and they never had one face-to-face meeting. Has anybody you know raised $200 million, went out and bought some real estate and never had one face-to-face meeting? No, because they couldn't. No, what if you just can't? Yep, right. Yeah, those guys are ballers, by the way. They know yeah. what's up. Well, so. the, the marketplace has changed as far as uh understanding that philosophy or that reality is that you don't have to be necessarily sitting in an office somewhere to make a living. And in what we do, right, on the brokerage side, it's the relationship. I, I, I believe the camaraderie. I love the camaraderie of being a part of like yeah. NEI, you know, because there's just a lot of smart people around, like a lot of brokerage firms. You got a lot of smart yeah, people I mean, that pull heads together. Um, I, I'm, I'm old school like you that too. I mean, I need that. I want to yeah. be around those smart people. I want to find out some things. And yeah, you know, we can have a thousand Zoom meetings, but still, we're human beings. So, oh, 100%. Yeah. Let me I mean, ask I, you a question. Absolutely. Let me ask you. I want to ask you a question. So what I know, I have an idea of what you do. So what do you think if you were a 35 year old broker right now, male, female or whomever, and you were starting out, what would you start with? That's what they want to hear from you and me. Right. What would you start out with right now? What would you eliminate? What you wouldn't even think about? Right. They're saying, well, we have all this old network and X. Now we don't care. So what would your answer be to that? Well, I mean, just starting out is uh, finding somebody who cares. I mean, you, I need to get some knowledge. And, uh, and, and I started, for me, I started out on the investing side, but no, but no broker would work with me to teach me syndications when I started. I've out. heard that from everybody. Everybody's like, nobody will let me in. Nobody. I'm like, dude, everybody's got that story. I don't want to so, hear everybody. So it's like, who's going to talk to me, talk to me. And I just, I just bullied my way in. I, I bowled in. And, oh, uh, I'm, I'm infamous for that, but so, keep going. <laughs> But so that so so for, for so that's kind of how I jumped in and 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 got into the business and then I started looking at and looking at opportunities and started buying real estate for myself because I had a tech company that I sold so I had some resources and I was I got into the business to buy some real estate for myself but 
But when I think of when I think of the younger groups that's coming in, I, I always tell them to get a skill. You got to have a skill. What do you bring into the table? What did you do in the past that brought you in? And I'm on the asset and property management side. So I love yeah. combining property management with brokerage. Because if you understand from an owner's perspective, the inside workings of a lease and what that means on a financial statement and overseeing a property, making sure you got the day porter, all the stuff going on, that's a skill, right? Well, so, if you don't have that, then what the hell are you doing in this business to begin with, right? Yeah, but because some people get they get wowed into the industry. But if you could learn a skill that will let you relate to your clients, which are the owners and the landlords, it depends on what level. I don't go institutional on my own personal practice. I oversee institutional, but uh, most of the clients I work with are family offices, right? They're they're looking to place you know a portfolio of thirty to one hundred million dollars, and yeah. Uh, and and so when I think of institution, that's the multi-billion dollar players. And, you know, I did that in public accounting, but. So you, first of all, you find some friends, which we all had to, you bully your way in. Oh, no, I didn't say that out loud. You said that you find, <laughs> <laughs> you just do like I didn't just do it anyway. Right. You right. Find that skill set that you have. Mine happened to be, I'm their real estate guy. Right. I didn't have that much industry stuff, but I would put the deals together and, you know, that kind of, you build that trust up after a while. I think also the bigger thing I found out was transparency was important, yep. meaning they're going to find out everything anyway. Yep. So tell them they're going to find, matter of fact, not only are they going to find out everything they want, that's what they want you for. Right. So, you know, you find some friends, you have a certain skill set that you can provide. I think providing transparency to me was probably the thing that helped my career go beyond not that I was hiding anything, but I wasn't hiding anything. But I'm like, look, here's everything. Let's let's go figure this out. And then they were like, okay, but fine. I know everything. I see that, but I want you to help. So again, your value becomes even more because you're like, okay, I don't want to do that. I want you to do that for me. So yep. I found that. So what what else do you think? If you were 35 and starting, yeah, 35 and starting. I mean, that's that's so long ago for me, Duke. I can't even think back that far. You know, I mean, that's uh, uh, just you know. Hey, today, if you were starting today, because everybody, I get a lot of people come after me, you know, a ton, especially when I used to write, everybody would ask me, what what, what would you do if you were starting? That, yeah. that was probably the biggest question I got the most. Yeah, and I think, and, so. and I think the other thing that comes on to that too, is the patient side of it. I mean, you're not, you're, you're, why are you in the industry? Are you in it because you see somebody that you think made a lot of money doing the business yeah. or are you in it because you really have a passion for this industry? And the guys and gals that I've worked with that truly love the asset class seem to do the best. They, they just get back to your ideas. The transparency is the relationship they take on with between the client and the asset. And they just have a vested interest because they truly love being in the industry. If you think you're coming in the industry just to try to make money, you're not, you're just not, it's not going to happen. You should buy Bitcoin then you'll be a genius and make (laughs) billions of dollars. Somebody asked me about all that. So actually, when we were when we were down in Orleans, I said, "Would you would you rather own five whatever are in the metaverse or five industrial buildings outside of Santa Monica at the port?" I'm pretty sure the ones that I would prefer to own, and I'm pretty sure those institutional owners are there right now, right? I mean, at that level, and we, we still live in the physical world. It's a physical asset. The other thing I would think of is you've got to kind of find. Ah, you know, I was general all over, but you have to find a little bit of a niche, maybe. That doesn't mean you can't be general, but is it going to be investment sales? Is it going to be leasing? Is it going to be tenant rep? That doesn't mean you can't do them all. But most of the people I've seen have been successful. They kind of find, I don't know what it is, that 
They find that niche there somewhere. Mine kind of ended up being syndication a little bit more than just going out hustling leases and doing whatever. You know, and yours is what? Kind of, well, not going to say all of it, but the assets and those kind of things that you're doing, right? Yeah. Well, I started out in syndications, right? I mean, when I sold the company, I got in the industry to buy assets for myself. And then when I saw I paid a half a million dollars in commissions the first year to somebody, I was like, that should have been my half a million dollars. And then, <laughs> and then I challenged yeah, Well, I started the other way. <laughs> and then I'm I like, challenged Wait a minute, I'll state. start on this side and go get syndications. Right. And so, and that's like, and that's kind of, I mean, I started out in public accounting. And it's funny you mentioned about getting started. I mean, my first job in public accounting, I went into my interview and I just basically said, look, I got enough money for my construction job to work for free for six months. So let me work for free for six months, show I'm worth something. And if I prove it, Hire me. If not, we shake hands and we both go our own way. And yeah, I got the job. willing to take it. I like, I like the way you said it because everyone I, when I say successful brokers of X, right, they all have a story. Somebody's like, I was valeting cars on the side. I was doing this. I was doing that. I mean, not all of us, probably not a lot of us show up with daddy's money, right? It just, and even, even if you've got daddy's money, it's going to run out at a certain level, especially depending if you're playing in commercial real estate. So everybody, hustled it in and found their way in in that way, shape, or form. And everyone that I'm talking about now, I could throw out names even online to some of the people there, you know, they're very well known in the industry. They all had to get there somehow, right? Yeah. And they all started at what somebody told me, he said, you know what my advantage was? He said, I would work half a day Saturday. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I work in, work in my home office half a day Saturday. So what if you work half a day Saturday for 20 years, right? That was his little end thing. Yeah. I mean, I could go on for days about all those little tips and things. Oh, yeah. here. And, 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 and again, back to having the, the passion for what it is you're doing. I mean, if, if, if you believe in what you're doing, you're not really working. I mean, I, you know, I tell her I've been retired since I was 32 years old because I've been doing whatever I want. Yeah. Well, I like to do. I, I jokingly, when so, I was, at, when we had a big corporate uh, Zoom thing with Reach and everybody was talking about how they got involved in Reach. And I said, look, I've been unemployable for most of my life. And this is the only team that'll pay attention to me. And I got the biggest laugh ever because I've been unemployed. You're right. I haven't really had a job. I don't take vacations. I mean, I, I don't know where I go, what I do. So I don't know. So let me ask you this though, since, Hey, we're just rolling here. If you were 35, what would your tech stack be? I know I talked about it a little bit. What, what would you use, right? What's your tech stack? Is it just a CRM? Is it just this? What would you put out there? Um, well, I'm a huge Crexy fan. I mean, I, I, I do so well with Crexy. Um, and if I can only pick one solution right now, mm-hmm. I would, it'd be Crexy on my end. Um, just because it has everything integrated into it. Is it perfect? No, but does it get the, does it get the most results? And I, I use them all. So I have the advantage of using them all being part of a, being part of NAI. And mm-hmm. I've just gotten the most results off of that particular one. So, so that, that's one. Um, I'm again, fortunate because I'm part of NAI that we have great foundations and templates for everything we do for leases, you know, for promotional materials. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, uh, so I think that's important, you know, to have, and especially as you're starting out, you, you, you kind of want to, you, you want to have, as you said earlier, your personal brand, well, your personal brand can be just you, or it could be you associated with an organization. So yeah, I think that's very much. I think the other things that if you look at, you can look at some things outside of commercial real estate. When I say outside of commercial real estate, you get more into, and I don't want to get weird about it, but more productivity tools and some of those things. I've heard a lot of brokers that, and I don't want to drop my juice tableau and some of these other things. There's a thousand things out there, right? Uh, I know somebody has set up just a Slack channel just for their clients. 
which they're like, people don't use it that much, but then they know they can get a hold of me and do X and it's not messaging. I mean, there's all kinds, everybody comes with all kinds of different things. So what makes you more productive, right? Because I, I feel like I waste about 90% of my time. I probably shouldn't be saying that in public, but you know, I just <laughs> well, feel like I'm with you. What did I'm I get done you. today? I mean, I'm, I'm no. lucky. I mean, I, I, I look, I mean, if I ever met Bill Gates, I'd just say, thank you for letting an, you know, an illiterate individual like myself make a profession of something because yeah, word, spreadsheets. yes, <laughs> word and Excel has allowed me to even the playing field with, I wasn't, I wasn't the, uh, the kids in school getting A's on the spelling test. Let's put it that way. So, you know, for me to be able to have word and to be able to have Excel, just those two tools alone has allowed me to compete at levels with guys that are definitely. Uh, yeah. So, so let's bring that up though. I mean, everybody's all this tech that's supposed to be out there. We're still using email that was in the seventies. We're still using, I have spreadsheets up on my screen right now. Right. Yep. I'm not a fan, but they're there. They work. Should yep. And I wrote something one time, we need to get rid of PDFs. We need to get rid of spreadsheets. Eh, maybe, well, maybe we will, but they're still functioning and, and helping us be productive today. So, why not? And I jokingly, when I remember I was on stage in NAI, I said, look, if you have a yellow pad in your phone, you're probably still good to go because I don't want to, I don't want people to think that tech is like this silver bullet. It's the only thing that solves every problem. And we should be in the metaverse every day and we should sell the metaverse. Fine. There's somebody's going to do that and probably make a killing. Good for them. I'll stay in the other, I'll stay in the real world for a while. Yeah. And I, I think the productivity tools are, are underutilized. You know, even yeah. if it's Salesforce, even if it's some of those basic things. Most of them amazing. are. Most of them are. Yeah. I mean, I've integrated almost all the CRMs possible out there, and I probably know a tenth of what they can do because I just See? need to fill basic fulfillments of what I was looking for. And some of the CRMs out there are incredibly good. They really are good, but it's like anything else. You know, we have a HubSpot that we use for our thing, and I'll be honest, I'm not using it that much, but it's a great tool, but it's good for what our organization needs. But that doesn't mean I need to use it every five seconds, right? I can't live there. It's not. It's not what really yeah. goes on in the world. And that's, well, I think. I think. Uh, I, I would say the best tool possible is just having a conversation, right? This is back to when we talked about blockchain and other things. That's not going to allow the personal integration to uh, have somebody give them comfort to buy a multi-million-dollar asset, and you're supposed to do that just by reading a report. It's not going to happen. They need no. someone on their side to be able to have that conversation that understands it. And to your point, the transparency of it all. Um, if you don't have a good personality, my whole thing is if you don't have a real ability to connect with the buyers or the tenants or whatever side of the brokerage business you're on, you're going to have a hard time making a good living at it. I mean, well, and I think I said that in a roundabout way, I said that whoever my people are that I did all my stuff with, it was because it was me. They could have went to anybody, yep. but I built that up over a period of time and it was just, they would, they literally still getting a hold of me because now they want to get stuff for their grandkids, right? You know, and which is fine, but it's like, it's just, it was, and that's the other thing when you're younger, you're like, oh, I can't get, you know, you got to build that up. We all did. We all built it up regardless of demographics or this and that and the other. So it just, you know, plus I'll be honest with you, I'm real estate wise. I want to say it got easier. You just get better at it. Right. And I jokingly said like a triple net lease, it's not brain surgery. Okay. I mean, God bless people that do those. They're not that difficult. But after you've done it many, many times, you just get better at it, right? So that just takes a certain time of process. Nobody just comes right out of the box. And I went to school for this. And still, that doesn't mean I'm the best at it. So it takes time to build that up. Plus, your relationship-wise, those people got to trust you, right? They got to be around you. You got to figure that out. And if you can pull off selling 
you know, a house next to Snoop Dogg in the metaverse. Well, power to you, man. Good for you. I'm not, I go for it. But, you know, there's a lot of people making money doing a lot of other things, you know? Oh, there is. There so is. And, and, that's why, like I said, I'm, I'm skeptical about that. Not because of my age. I'm just, you know, we, we've already been through some of these cycles before, right? It's always the newest sparkliest thing. Three years from now, it'll be something else, right? Well, back to your your 35-year-old individual, you know, they, self-assessment. What do you bring to the table? What what, yeah. what what do you bring to the table that no other broker is bringing to the table? Or wh- why is somebody going to work with you versus, you know, your counterpart? And I think that's, there it is. that's part of the self-assessment side of, and you talk about triple net leases. I don't know how many times I've gotten an, you know, analysis sent to me from other brokers that don't understand just between a double net lease and a triple net lease or what, you know, a lot of these triple net leases, they say, yeah, but all you do is cover roof and structure. Well, then it's not a true triple net, an absolute triple net lease is I do nothing. Corner to corner, I do nothing. The tenant does everything. So if you're talking about, you know, I got to take care of structure and roof. We're not really taking, there, there's responsibility for me as the owner. That's and, what I'm saying. And that's a conversation you and I have. I mean, you know, because that's what we've done forever. It's like, you know, you got to figure that stuff. You can learn that stuff. And again, yep. after you've been through them without, you're like, this is how it's going to work. Well, we've got, no, then we're not, right? It doesn't take a brain surgeon after a certain time. And again, not that that's not a quality thing that, you know, that's why they're coming to you. You vetted all that stuff. You went through all that stuff. You figured all that stuff out. Again, you're solving a problem they don't have because they don't want to have that problem. That's what you're there for. They're, therefore, that's why you're getting paid. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I would think about real quick, since we're just rambling here, I would try to figure out, this is what I I kind of figured out a little bit later. You have to go out and create deals to a certain extent. When I say create deals, you're not just making stuff up, but you have to, again, you have to present, you have to propose you have to speculate. You have to get those customers. You have to fill that pipeline down the road. The stuff is just not going to come to you, right? If we're going to go out and buy two warehouses, I got to go put all that together and then go to my guys and say, look, we're going to buy these and this is how we're going to do it. I know that sounds simple, but you got to go out and create. You just can't sit there and wait for the phone to ring. The other thing that I never loved and never did was open the phone book and go crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't want to hear yeah. that crap. You know, there's other ways to do it. And I just went out and buried everybody by having relationships. So I think creation, you know, you have to, again, like you talked about, some of the tools that you have that help you propose or go out and create deals because maybe they didn't realize they were going to sell until you presented them with a, wow, okay, that's a good deal. And then, yeah. you know, as soon as you get one, you're going to get three because then it multiplies out, as we all know. Yeah. I, I don't know if, I don't know. I just don't hear enough of that out there. You know, like technology is kind of desensitized. You know, it's like, well, I can just look at the numbers all the time. Big deal. Everybody can look at the numbers, right? So, well, I, you know, what are you doing to create? Well, I was thinking, you know, one of the things that I do a lot of, especially getting listings, is showing clients who are tired of managing how they can go into a Delaware statutory trust. And it doesn't get talked about a lot on the broker side. So we can't get paid as a broker. You can't get paid on a Delaware statutory trust, but in certain situations, it's a great solution for you to get the listing because how many times you've been on an appointment and they say, Hey, I'd love to sell, but what am I going to go into? And if you can do a return on equity analysis for that client and show them that it's fully depreciated, your tax liability is going to be huge, but you can roll this whole thing into an institutional grade asset through somebody like, you know, you know, inland securities or somebody like that and say, I'm going to get, you know, my return might be three and a half, 4%, but I'm getting it from day one and I'm riding on IRS's money and I don't have to manage, you know, so it's an, again, a way to kind of differentiate, 
differentiate yourself for having a yeah, again you're solving a problem for them they didn't know they had right like, oh well okay yeah i like that let's let me let me talk you know you know they already know the answer but let me vet it a little let me decide yep. so you provided something for them that they had no clue you know i mean it's it's just crazy it's not always just about yeah i've got three offers there's the highest one which i know that's pretty obvious to say because i've had that i've got i had one that i literally framed on my wall for a lot of reasons that they said no to, you know, and I, just as a reminder, uh, you know, we all have those. We can go for forever on those things. Well, I'm going to ask you something here, Duke. You know, you, you, you meet a lot of people, especially on the tech side, a lot of younger individuals. Do you see, it seems like it's slowing down. I don't see a lot of young professionals wanting to get into commercial real estate as much as I did in the past. And I don't know if this is because they're, they're opting to go to tech where it's got a guaranteed paycheck and all these types of things. Um, I mean, are you seeing that when you travel around and talk to people around the country? I mean, are you, how are they attracting young professionals, men and women into the profession? That's a really good question, dude. Man, I could go on for about an hour about that. But let me, first of all, tech back, you know, as I'm a thousand years old, uh, let's start with maybe after 2008, 2009. Some of us remember how nasty that one was, where there was zero deal flow. Yep. So a lot of the brokers that I know, the younger guys, they jumped into tech because there was a little bit of money there, right? And now we literally are setting records every year. Billions and billions of dollars are being invested, private money or VC money into technology around the real estate part, right? So if you're 28 and you're in New York and you're hustling it, you can go to these companies that raise $30 million and get paid 120 right out of the box. And it's coming every week. So to your answer, a little bit of that, yes, because you've got to get paid, you've got to eat. And when you're trying to get into commercial real estate, like you and I said, hey, it's going to be a long time or a little bit of a long time. On the other side of that, that I've seen, I'm very biased here, but a lot of the good companies that we've been around, that I've been around, they have ex-brokers and ex-real estate people who know what it is. Okay. That doesn't mean they always succeed by any stretch, by the way. I see that figurehead, some old dude, gray-haired dude. Yeah, he was at X for 50 years. I'm get him the hell out of there. He doesn't know what he's doing. That's I'm a little biased there. But they come out knowing, look, we hustled our asses off being brokers in New York or wherever, whomever, whatever city. So they've got that hustle on them naturally. Then they're, they, they already know what problem that they want to solve. That's an easy thing. They figured out they've got some knowledge of the customer base in the business. They go to VCs and VCs are like, yeah. That's happened more probably in the last five years than it did five years before that. Because before it was just traditional VC type environments. So I think that's what I've seen. And a lot of the companies we've invested in, they've got to have some real estate knowledge. Otherwise, uh, they better be spectacular. And that doesn't mean that we don't invest in, because it's like, how the hell have you got any customers and you know nothing about real estate? That's just the most insane thing I've ever heard of. So what... To your, to your point, what are they doing to attract? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Right? If you're, again, we brought up that 35-year-old whatever, and this is not me being Mr. Awesome or whatever, but I'd go recruit as many females as I possibly could. I really would. Literally as many as I go to crew network, I go to wherever and try to do that because of all the different skills that they have. But also, it's not a, what we can turn, you know, and we you and I both know this is a very dominated male traditional. It is what it is. It is what it is. So how do we change that? I don't think there's any incentive for somebody who can go work 
and know they're going to get 120, 150 grand a year to come into commercial real estate. Do we change the model for that? That's been talked about. And somebody's like, well, I'm not going to pay somebody to sit on their ass and do nothing. Well, I agree with that. But also, how are you going to recruit anybody beyond the 55-year-old dudes that you know right. who are going to die out, right. who are going to burn out, right? What, what's that next generation? So let me ask you that question. Yeah. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? Because I've seen that yeah. part of it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I, you know, I struggle with it every day. I mean, I run the property and uh, asset management group and, uh, and it's, you know, we, at least in that, in that capacity, it's a little different because you're not really doing full on brokerage business, but on the brokerage side, you know, it's, it, I, I don't see the attraction. I mean, I didn't go into brokerage. I mean, I, I had a career as a, as a tax accountant, you know, I was in international tax accounting doing tax strategies for mm-hmm. large development companies overseas and Which so it gave you a hell of a base to be a broker, right? Yeah, it gave me a great base until I saw the guy who sold the land to one of the golf courses fly in on his private plane, and I'm working my <laughs> ass off to save my taxes. Going, okay, I'm getting sixty grand a year to do the tax return, and yeah, guy's well, making a million on the commission. And the guy's a dork. I should be yeah, doing well. You know, smarter than you at that moment. Exactly, and it's still at that me. moment. At that moment, <laughs> but give him credit. But Duke, it still took me seven years to figure it out. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, that's the sad part. I was like, well, okay. here, here's something I want to bring up. So, and I've been around a lot too, and I didn't come from this. Uh, and when we bring it up, but a lot of the people that come in, they come in because they have legacy, right? And I've written about this late when I say that because they have that background, because they have a family of X. And, you know, it's not their fault they were born with that. What we're not doing is incentivizing some of those people that have that drive, have that go. What, what is the incentive other than you're going to have to starve for about five years, dude? And you know what? In this economy, with what we do, how, really to do what? To give you half? To give you half? I'm not giving you half of it. That's I started out that way. By the way, I'm like, and what the laws and the I'm like the minute I could do it on my own, I was like, boom. So does that model change? And you're like, well, then you can't make any money as a brokerage if I'm not. Then maybe the model should break, right? You know, maybe it should. You know, jokingly, somebody said to me, "We don't have enough people out now." you know, staffing the McDonald's. And I, I'm not going to say anything against them, but maybe we need half of the McDonald's. I'm pretty sure I don't need to go in there anymore, right? Nothing against them. But what if the model needs to be broken? You're like, well, it never will. I don't know. You, yeah, you wonder You wonder if there's the idea of going to a, and everyone's talked about this. It's like talking about flat tax. We all know we should be a flat tax country. Everyone pay 5 to 7%, whatever they earn, call it good. And we have a that, by the way. Let's get on that. Let's get on board with that. But, but that's too that. simple. That's too simple. <laughs> too simple. But it solves it, every problem. It, it does. So in real estate, it's kind of the in commercial side, it's the same thing. Do you turn into an advisement type firm where you are on a compensation structure where you have a base salary? And then there's a bonus plan incentive, right? So that you're not, car dealers went to this, right? You got a fair amount of car dealers that went to this, they're putting their salespeople on salary and then they get a bonus at the end based on units. Um, Is there a possibility of doing that in commercial real estate? Can a firm- I think there are models like that out there, right? It's just not scaled yet. Correct. I think it'll be scaled because let's say I could go to a brokerage and I'm just generically throwing numbers out here, generically. And let's say my production was 150,000 commission a year. What if I knew I capped at 12 to 18? Right? Right. Capped. I'm done. You say, well, the, guy, the, the people that have been doing it forever get that, right? Well, if you weren't with us, you wouldn't get X. 
And I wrote about this also. Every year it goes back to zero. Every year it goes back to zero. Well, that works great if you're running the brokerage and you hear all these brokers go, brokers go, we can't make any money. Then it's broken. It's not working right. The only reason anybody, well, the reason I have my brokerage is so I could go out and do deals. I, I say that in front of everybody. I, you know, that was my whole thing. So does that, they said, does it, you know, it doesn't make the market more robust. If somebody went out and literally said, we'll cap it X, we'll keep you there, you know, maybe make it stock incentive or something. I mean, there's people out there doing it. I'm not going to drop names because it's, but there's people out there doing it, doing really well with it. Yeah. And you're going to have those trades anyway. So to your point, probably Resi has it already figured out several different ways. The difference is their commission is a lot smaller. Yep. You, you do the same kind of thing in, 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 in commercial, in my opinion. And what what some of the big companies that you and I could talk about, the top three or four, you know, brokerage just, just drives, they make all their money from everything else, right? Yeah. We know that. Asset management, property management, facilities, man. So I don't know. If I were starting a brokerage today, here's a good question. I'm going to ask you the same question. <laughs> I'd have flat fee. I'd have bonuses on top, have a certain level of production, and I'd hire all women. That's very generic. What yeah. would you do? Yeah, I'd go back to being a tax accountant. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I've always been on on my own, so to speak. Um, but from a firm, I mean, I feel for these firms. I mean, I, I watch how these principals. I mean, they're they're great producers. They're great at what they do, and they really want to give back and help these brokers kind of grow. But it's tough. I mean, and it's tough to be a broker coming in when you're not making any money. And you got and you feel for them, right? They've got a young. And who's going to buy? Who's going to buy the thing? What kind of value is there, right? So you talked yeah. about the tech thing. So yeah. I can go work for a tech company, and they're going to get a twelve or ten or fifteen multiple. What's my brokerage going to get? Especially if I leave. Exactly. Zip zero zip. So there's no incentive beyond it has the name on it and whatever. I mean, I know brokerages trade and stuff like that, but yeah. uh, you know, we've been talking about, and here we. Ten years ago, ten years from now, we might be talking about the same thing because I just don't see it changing that much unless it's demographically going to change. Uh, so where's I, that? Where yeah. do you hand it on to? Well, if you're a, if you're sixty two and you've got fifty people working for you, what's your exit plan? Yeah, what's your exit plan? There, you know, I'm going to sell it to my grandson. No, you're not, because God knows you don't want him to be that stupid, right? Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. I just don't see where it goes. Yeah, I, just I don't. It, I don't have it, the answer for it's that. The young, it's, the, it's the younger brokers. You're, you're grooming them to grow up into those next roles as the partners, and then be the managing partners of it, right? I mean, that's kind of the you kind of cycle them out, and you get bought out over time. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's not a clean, simple. Here's the multiple of X of revenue because when I can go sit on a beach. Yeah, sit it's, on it's, a beach with my on my laptop and do everything you want me to pay for. Yeah, it's a tough. It's a tough industry as far as the operations go to to see the the upside of all that hard work. Um, I'm, I guess, for me, the biggest concern, or I said, my biggest worry is just the lack of attraction for people to come into the industry. So, what does it look like twenty years from now? Uh, Right, because we're we we don't we haven't answered it yet, have we? No, and that's and 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 you see it every day. You see some really smart. Kids come in. I mean, I'm working with some really smart young guys right now and gals that uh, that that are really into it and they're getting passionate. And they're doing extremely well, but it's it they're far and few between. I mean, it's a tough uh-huh. industry to break into, 
and then, but once you get past that point, once you can get yourself past that point, it, it is a, it, it is a, a lucrative field. Oh, but some, some people say that's natural attrition. I don't know yes. about that, man. I, I still think a lot of it's demographic. You know, there was a hell of a market for a hell of a long time for a lot of people. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't mean it's not still going to be there, but. Yeah. Well, and, I don't know. And, and, and deals have gotten, um, I don't want to say easier, but it's been easier to, easier to get deals through because DocuSign, you know, there's technology that's come into things that's made life a little easier yeah. for us on the brokerage side. When you think mm-hmm. about pulling all the information together, you got sites like Crexy and others that you can have the, the, the deal room. You put everything in, you put all your due diligence, full transparency. You got DocuSign yes. documents right there. Working with escrow has gotten easier. You know, SIBA yes. here in Washington Commercial Broker Association, we have great forms for PSAs and leases and everything. So everything's right there for you. It's just now you've got to. So go what's out. what's the hardest part? Putting the deal together, right? Finding the deal together, having the relationships, deal. right? You got to build those relationships, and that's what your your thirty five year old example, someone coming into the industry, is building relationships. You got to have those relationships and that trust, and be able to kind of, kind of grow it from there. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, and, and the other thing, if you're not willing, part of we're on both sides of this, I guess, or I think I'm on both sides. If you're not willing to put in the time to build them up, you're not going to make any money. Yep, and some people just can't. They just can't do that on a time. And I, I get that. I get that. But everyone that I know, except for a few, you know, whose names are the same as their dads, uh, everybody else had to bust it and figure it out and work and do all X, right? Yeah. Nobody came into it like, oh, this will be easy. And I pop five deals right out of the box. Anybody says that's full of shit. Um, it's just a fact, man. It takes forever. And it's and tough you know, on a relationship. Let's get down to, you know, the, the reality oh of it is this is a tough yeah. on your relationship. If you don't have consistencies coming in, it's probably one of the biggest areas of contention in a household. I would, I would say that a thousand percent. That, you know, that's all I'm going to say, you know, because you, you're going to live that life. Yeah, you're going to live that life. And then, you know, I used to joke about it. You know, you'd have those little ones and then you'd have the lottery where you hit that one. You go down to, you know, the Bahamas for a couple yeah. of weeks and hang out. You know, we had those. So it takes a while to get there. And, and and that's why I went down property management, right? I it, people, it's funny because you know now that you know I feel like we're just having an off conversation here. But my yeah. my background was always having a job, right? I grew up in a house where you got to have a job with benefits, got to have a job with benefits, got to have a job with benefits. My dad was military. I grew up military, and military. it was like get out of get to have a job with benefits. So I got an accounting degree because that was the safest degree I could know, and I had knew there's a job waiting for me. And you get into the industry, right? You're making good money for what you see. And then you're working on clients doing tax returns who all their wealth being generated from real estate. So it took me like five to six years to realize my wealth can be generated by me owning real estate. So that's when I got into just doing, like you said, syndications, buying my own real estate. And then I said, okay, I'm going to parlay my experience of this into property management. It gives me a salary. So now I got a salary in property management and I can still do brokerage and still buy real estate for myself. So yeah. and I, I, found I a way can to still get do my syndications it. and not put any money in. Oh wait, did yeah. I say that out loud? <laughs> well, because you I put in something. the knowledge. It's your knowledge, and this is what I try to teach the younger brokers. Forget the brokerage side. And the brokerage side is important for make a living. But if you want to create wealth, you got to buy some real estate. You got to do some syndications, create something of value, and so you got to have a skill that you can take to your clients. So I'm always I'm always preaching. Don't get into this industry to be a broker, to make money as a broker, get in this industry to create some multi-million dollar wealth through owning some real estate. Yeah. I got, I got an interesting one for you since we're just rambling here. There were some things out on the internet about somebody said that they were popping 
X numbers because they thought they were they were pushing their fees way up because they're the kings and they're the best and da da da. And I'm like, dude, us old dudes are what? We're just laughing because you know what's yeah. coming next, right? You're going to get knocked right down and yep. buried. That's what you get. Even the people online are like, shut up. Yep. Do you know what's going to happen? You yep. think you're the smartest one in there, you know? And my response to that was, you know, I've just been quietly doing the boring stuff and keeping market my entire life. You know, oh, yeah. gee, I was the smartest one in the room. Well, maybe I was, but I didn't say it, you idiot. You don't throw that <laughs> stuff out there for the whole world to see. And I'm well, pretty sure I was the smartest one in the room. Well, let me give you another so, example on that one, Duke. My dad, when I was 21 and I was starting to hit the bars with my buddies and hang out, right? He pulled me aside and said, bud, here's the deal. If a fight goes down in the bar, the guy who's doing the most talking on the other side, that's the guy you take. Yeah. The guy who's talking smack can't fight. It's the guy behind him who's not talking is going to be the toughest son of a bitch in there. So yeah, that's what you got to worry about. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The guys you never hear of are the ones doing all the deals. Yep. You know, it's yeah. always been that way. And then I got online and run my mouth. But you know, that, was, <laughs> that was back in the day when Twitter was starting some stuff like that. But, you know, like, like I said, the old school brokerage thing, you and I talked about this, where I just don't talk about my deals ever no. to anybody about anything. If my partners want to talk about them, fine. And I've been, I have people literally come to me. How many this do you know? I said, it's none of your business what I do. Yeah. You know, go look at my taxes. You know, are you the president? The president will put his taxes. I'm going to start on that. So it's just my old school way of, I don't know, the real estate stuff I just never talked about. So the minute you put that stuff on Twitter, I'm doing this deal, I'm doing this, you're just going to get nailed. So that's the online stuff that we get into. No, I agree. So, I agree. I'm, I'm not much guys to put deals out there that says, just close, just close. And others do, fine. That, I mean, again, you have to do you. That. You got to right. do you. But as far that's as your right. own stuff, I mean- you know, I, I coach my syndication class and when I do my one-on-ones with my my team, it's always about what they can get to. So I give examples of where they can be and setting those up. But I agree with you. I mean, the, the, the chest thumpers in this industry will, will get squashed. They'll get put down at some point in time. But, you know, you got to live judgment-free. I mean, the, the, put, the, put the emphasis on judging others, which we all do inherently, just because that's the nature yeah. of you know what I'd like to do? Whoever that guy was on the plane, I'd like to find out where he is now. That would be interesting because some of those dudes that do that, man, they fly high and then they yeah. don't. So I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's just there's a way. I don't want to say there's a way to do it. That's not the right way. Your no. way, your vision is the way. A hundred percent. Whatever that is. If it's being flashy and shit, then be flashy. But I just never you. talked about my stuff, man. You do you. That's my, my biggest theme on my coaching program is it, it's your journey. You do you. You know, I mean, one of the biggest deals I ever did. Do you? I had I had somebody come up to me, literally come up to me and said, do you even have a license? I said, you know what? (laughs) Maybe maybe that should tell you something. You don't even think I have a license. Think about that for a minute. Right. Right. (laughs) So that's how it's like, am I am I smart enough that you don't even know what I'm doing and think I'm not even educated or went to school for this shit? You know, so I learned a lot of stuff like that, man, because I when I came out, I was loud and brash and getting all kinds of nasty phone calls. But, you know, you got to do that a little bit. But then I learned, you know, subtle subtlety was well, a lot more I mean, powerful in that sense. Well, Duke, I mean, I think I think you've been one of the uh, outspoken, positive catalysts as it relates to the industry. Um, I followed you 
read all your stuff when it comes out and, you know, back in the, the, the Twitter well, days and everything else. And, and, and again, apologize it, for some of that. I but, apologize for some of that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you were being you at that time, right? Yeah. I mean, being real transparent, you're saying how you feel about what's going on within the industry, what's going on within other activities, you know, I mean, that, and, and so, uh, if anything, I, I always thought I was advocating for me when I say me, me, the broker, me, the, the, whatever, the, the, I want to say the rank and file, but you know, because I had all this, and I happened to have an unfiltered platform because I wasn't going to fire myself, right? right? So I could say whatever I wanted, and dumbing like a dumbass, I did. You know, I should have shut up, but and I learned that later, so I literally turned it off. But I, I hope that like people like you and people in AI or whomever, like, wait a minute, yeah, okay, and I understand why people don't talk about it. You and I just said that, right? But I felt like. I could get away with it. So I did, you know, and then, then I just burned out after a while, but it's like, there are so many things that we can still make better. That was my whole thing. It should be yeah. better because of X. Yeah. We should be better because of this. Why aren't we doing this? How about this? Why not that? doesn't mean it's going to change. And again, when I started in the tech thing, was it the right timing? I don't know, but billions of dollars later, literally billions of dollars later, where at least trying to provide some solutions in some way, shape or form. And if that happens where someone's all of a sudden, look, I've been in this business for 15, 20 years, now I'm making half a mil. God bless. You know, I mean, that's pretty good compared to, unfortunately, the average. So, you know, if those if those things have been out there on the tech side, they just got to get better. They got to do better things. We got to get better. Um, They're not solving all the problems. I could go on for days. But I, I appreciate that. And I thank you for bringing it up because there are still people that come up to me at these conferences and stuff and they know me from that. And that's just kind of weird. Yeah. It just weirds <laughs> me out that. And they think I tell them I'm kind of a boring Midwestern dude. And they realize that when they meet me. So it's like, don't meet your heroes. Not that I'm a hero. It's like, wait, <laughs> he's just an idiot. Just like, <laughs> so I appreciate it. Just but, like when you came up, I'm like, wow, this guy's really smart and knows what he's doing. So I appreciate that. Well, I, I, like I said, I, I think that the, the, there's voice, there's p- multiple voices out there in the industry. And I think yours has always come from the value of, from a broker's perspective, as well as, you know, what do you, what value you bring to the table? If you're not bringing value, get out of the business. And there's nothing wrong with saying that because there are people that shouldn't yeah. be in the business that aren't providing value that needs to be value added. Cool. Um, I called them out. But, but it's great that you're, 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 uh, you're on the tech side of it. And, and I, I think, I guess the, my, my final word from my perspective is that based on our conversation and our meetings before is that tech's always going to be there. You can't let it bog you down and you still got to be informative value add and bring something to the table to be an effective and efficient broker to your clients. Herod, it's, it's not that, it's not that hard. No, it's hard, but it's not that hard. Right. But. Yeah. And so, well, look, Derek, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on here. Great to meet up with you in New Orleans. We had a great time. I've listened to your podcast. They're fantastic. And I'll make sure I push this stuff out as much as I can. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, I hope you uh, warm up from being in the Midwest and uh, might go, you got to go find a beach somewhere. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, Duke. Well, thanks again. Appreciate your time. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. All right. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you should have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at Dokemail.com. 
Also, if you're interested in knowing more about how other brokers and agents are building a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio without using any of their own money, visit my website at www.theartofsyndication.com. Again, thanks for listening, and I hope you all have a great day.